All right. I'm just going to put that right over there a little bit. Okay. <clears throat> All right. We're going to be taking a look at um, Isaiah 34. 35, sorry. So feel free to go ahead and turn over to Isaiah 35 if you brought your Bible with you. We're going to jump around a little bit after that, but um, well, th through that, but we're going to start out in Isaiah 35. Isaiah 35. Have you ever noticed how powerful emotions are? Like your, your emotions, like when you wake up in the morning, your emotions when you wake up um, can really drive your whole day in, one, in a couple different directions. If, if you're like, if you feel like life is going well, it really doesn't matter how life is going for you, but if you feel like life is going well for you, then you, then you wake up, you're on like cloud nine. You can like conquer everything. You're excited to go out into the world and to, you know, get your stuff done. And you can just face the day with joyful exuberance, ready to take on the world, right? Or if your emotions are down, you can wake up in the morning and wish that you that you could just go right back to bed again. You know, it could be, you know, there there it could be the day could just feel like an impossibility even at the start. How am I even going to get through today? There was a time in my life with my family when the the best time of the whole day was a few minutes in the morning before I rolled out of bed when I was awake because I knew that things could only go downhill from there. My day couldn't get any better. From that point on, everything would just go downhill. I just knew that. That's what was going on. That's what I felt like. And so did I have a lot of energy to attack the day with and go, you know, do great things? No, I had no energy. I could barely get through the day. Fear is one of those huge emotions that does that to us. So fear is the emotion and intellectual anticipation of harm. What a person feels may go wrong for them, right? So have you ever been tormented by fear? Like, gotten to the point to where, like, maybe you have the shakes. Maybe you're, you're, you're just tormented by it. Um, you know, panic attacks, those type things where you just don't know what to do. And, you know, it's so all-encompassing. You can't get away from it. Has that ever happened to you? Fear that things won't change, that your life situation, your circumstances aren't going to change. And you're going to be stuck exactly where you are. Maybe driven to tears or driven to panic attacks. And then when you wake up, you're already emotionally drained and you can hardly get through the day. Well, that's not God's plan for you. God's got better things for you. So if there's fear in your life, God has something to say for you, and it's from Isaiah 35. So the title of this message is Fear Not. Fear Not. So we're going to start reading in verse 4. Actually, verse 3. Isaiah 35, verse 3. It says, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Say to those who are fearful hearted, be strong, do not fear. Okay, so we're just going to pause right there. So how do you tell somebody, be strong, don't fear? Like, what does that really mean? How do you tell somebody that? Isn't that kind of like telling the leopard, hey, change your spots, change the way you are without giving them the tools to do it? That's kind of what it sounds like is going on here. Say to those that are fearful, okay, so what good does that do? Say, saying to them, hey, that fear you got going, knock it off. What good does that do, right? Well, when it comes from a person, it doesn't do any good. But when it comes from God, it does huge amounts of good. It is so powerful because there's something that accompanies God's words when he says, do not fear, be strong. And what's that that accompanies those words is love. His love accompanies those words. It is 
and this is just this is just really neat. So I'm going to flip over here. First John four seventeen. Okay, feel free to go there if you have your Bible. If you don't, that's okay. I'll go ahead and read it to you. Fear not. I'm going to read it to you. Okay. First John four seventeen. Love has been perfected among us in this, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as He is, as Christ is, so are we in this world. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear involves torment. But he who fears has not been made perfect in love. We love him because he first loved us. And so that's the missing ingredient. When fear is in our lives, the missing ingredient is that we don't feel loved. We don't feel protected. We don't feel cared for. We don't feel like, like there is a God in this world who cares for us or values us or watches over us or protects us. And that we are just free game for any wild beast or any lion that comes along to just tear us to pieces, whether that be financial or, you know, interpersonal or emotional or whatever. We just feel like our walls are down and we're free game for the enemy to come and attack us. But when love is there, when love is in our hearts, then it's kind of like drenching. Like imagine a bucket and then you put water in the bucket. How many, how many like to overflowing, how many parts of that bucket don't have water in it? None of them. They all have water in it. The, all the, like, are there any cracks or crevices in the bucket that didn't get, you know, just filled with water? No, that's, they all have what, every part of that bucket has water. When God's love touches our heart, that's the way he does it. He, so all of our heart gets just doused and touched and flooded with his love. And then things really change. So according to that verse, you know, perfect love casts out the fear. It pushes the fear out. And so there's no more room for the fear anymore because we know we're loved and we know that we're cared for. So we're going to take a quick look at Daniel in the book of Daniel, just because this is a real, real succinct way that this is put together, Daniel chapter 10. And so Daniel's in fear here. He's um, visited by an angel of the Lord, and the angel is, is there in his presence, and Daniel's afraid. I mean, that's the typical response when somebody's in the presence of one of the angels of God or God himself is fear, right? Because he's so holy and we realize we just don't measure up. And so here's Daniel. He's on his face in chapter 10, verse 19. And, and the angel says to him, O man greatly beloved, fear not. Peace be to you. Be strong. Yes, be strong. So when he spoke to me, I was strengthened. And I said, let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. So the first thing with that is in, here in Daniel number one is you are greatly beloved. Not just a little beloved. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. He loves the, the whole world. But you know what? There's a special thing that he's got in his heart for you out of, out of the whole world. Out of the, so God gave his son for the whole world. How much more did he give his son for you who's, who's like up in the second tier of love, right? He, you're not just loved. You're greatly beloved, right? So know that you're loved. When God speaks to our hearts, know that you're loved. You are so loved. God is so going to bless you. He so wants to be there for you and to protect you and to watch over you. You are a child of the, or son, daughter of the, of the living God, and he has just great love for you. He's not angry at you. God is not mad at you. So that's number one, to know that you're greatly loved. Number two, to fear not. So this is about pushing out the fear, right? So let the love come in and push the fear out. Perfect love drives out all fear. So when when, when it fills our heart, it fills all of our heart, right? And so that's what he says to Daniel. Oh, man, greatly beloved, fear not. So when the love comes in, the fear goes out, and then peace be to you, be strong. And so when the fear is gone, then peace just replaces it also. It takes up residence in our heart. 
And then when we have peace, then we can stand strong in whatever the situation is that we're in. Because everybody's in a situ some sort of situation. There's nobody that just gets to like float by in life with no problems. So if you've got problems, hey, guess what? You're not the only one. Everybody's got problems. Your problems may be vanilla. They may be strawberry. They may be chocolate or cherry flavor or whatever. But you got problems. Everybody has problems. You don't get through life without them. So, so the Lord shows us how to overcome through those problems, right? He may not end the problems. He may deliver you through the problems instead of from the problems, but he's going to deliver you, right? Amen. So take courage and stand strong. Wait and watch for God's deliverance. So that's, that's the four-part process for that's shown in Daniel. You're greatly loved. So don't fear. Peace be unto you and be strong. And you notice he, he, he doubles that. He doesn't just say be strong, but he says it again. Yea, be strong. That's such an exhortation to just to just take up the strength of the Lord. God's offering strength, and all we need to do is grab hold of it, right? Okay, so that's the four-part process for Daniel. Then we're going to go back to Isaiah 35. So say to those who are fearful-hearted, I'm sorry, strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. So these are hands that are weak and shaking from fear, and these are, that are knees that are shaking from fear of what's going to happen to them in life. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, be strong, do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. So the neat thing about this is, you know what? It's not just God will come. It's not just that. It's your God will come. It's that you are connected to him. He knows it, and he's going to step in on your behalf. It's not that God's coming. It's that your God is coming, and he will come with vengeance. And so that's, this is a two-part. We've got vengeance, and we've got recompense. With, he'll come with vengeance and with the recompense of God. So God says, vengeance is mine right that's what it says the lord so vengeance is his don't take up vengeance you need to be a lamb let god take up the vengeance for you he'll so the two partners he comes in vengeance that's that's against the enemies of the lord but he also comes with recompense which part of it is vengeance yeah but the other part is is a reward for those that have been patiently waiting for him and so when god shows up he's going to fix your situation he's going to fix you through your situation and then he's going to come and he's going to um, reward you for having gone through that situation, right? And it's not going to end how the how the fear tells you. Fear tells you, oh, this is going to end in, in in this pit or in this ditch, or my life's going to be a train wreck or whatever. That's what fear says. But you know what? None of those things have proven true in your life because you are where you are right now. God's going to come in and He's going to help you to push the fear out, and so you could stand strong against that fear, right? I mean, FDR really got it right when he said, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. Fear is the thing that you have to get, get rid of, otherwise, you'll, otherwise you'll, you're like pre-programmed to go into that ditch. So push the fear out. Fear not. Amen. Say to those who are fearful-hearted, be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. That's the message that God has for you if you have a fearful heart. He will come, and he will save you. He may save you from it, or he may save you through it. He may fix your situation so you don't have to experience it anymore, or he may save you by upholding you through the situation, even though as hard as it may be, you hold on to him with all of your heart, and he will get you through it. He will come, and he will save you. And when you're fearful-hearted and you hear that message, you know what happens? The eyes of the blind open up. The ears of the deaf will be unstopped. And the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing. 
So these are physical things, yeah, but you know what? They're also spiritual things because I don't know what, what spiritual hindrance that you might have, but I know it falls into one of these categories. You might have spiritual blindness where you can't see the path that God has for you. You just can't see your way forward. If you could just see it, then you'd start walking that path. You'd stay on that path. You'd be on that path, but you just can't see. You don't see the way forward. That's spiritual blindness. The ears of the deaf should be unstopped. So you might have spiritual deafness where you just can't hear God's voice. Where you say, oh God, if, if you would just speak to me, if you would just let me hear what it is you have to say, please speak to me. I can't hear you. Or you might have a spiritual limp. You might be lame. To where even, even if you knew how to get, even if you knew where God's plan was, you don't have the strength to get there. You're, you're, you're spiritually unable to make it there. And the tongue of the dumb, somebody who's not able to speak, they just can't converse with God. They can't, they can't give him the praise that he needs that's going to connect them to God. And so when you hear those words, be strong, do not fear, behold your God will come, your God will come. He will come with vengeance and with the recompense of God. He will come and he will save you. Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. The lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. Yeah, those physical things happen too, but you know what? The spiritual counterparts happen also, where blind eyes get opened up, and they say, oh, now I can see the path that God has for me, or ears of the deaf get opened, and so you can hear, God loves me, and he's got a good plan for me, and all he wants is for me to hold on to his hand. I may not know the whole path, I may not know the, the, the whole way, but if, as long as I hold on to his hand and take the next step with him, I'll be okay. And, he, and he'll help you by strengthening your spiritual abilities and so you can walk that path. And then you can give him praise through it. The tongue of the dumb shall sing. So we're going to come back to that in just a second, but we're going to flip over to Acts chapter 3. <clears throat> Acts chapter 3. Okay, so Acts chapter 3. We're going to read verses 1 through 10. So this is about a man who is lame. He couldn't walk, okay? From his mother's birth, he, he had never been able to walk. Verse 1. <clears throat> now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer. This is after Jesus ascended from the grave, okay? So, um, or rose from the grave and ascended into heaven. So Jesus is in heaven right now. The apostles are out doing the works of God, just like we're doing the works of God here. And so, now Peter and John went up together to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a certain man, lame from his mother's womb, was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful. So at the gate called Beautiful. That's where they, that's where they set him down in the morning, each morning. So he could beg alms. He could, you know, scrounge for money, like ask people for money throughout the day, and then he'd go home. So he'd been there for quite a few hours, probably nine hours or something like that. And so he could, invert back to verse 2, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. Who see, And so we're going to just stop right there for a second. So, so this is a man, he's never been able to walk on his own. He's always been laid there at the gate. What's he doing there? He's making lemonade out of lemons. 
Life gave him lemons. He's doing the best he can with it. He's making lemonade by staying there at the gate and getting getting money for you know for for being there. That's the best he could do. His family's you know they helped him come up with the strategy. They pick him up. They bring him over there each day, and that's the best they could do. They're making lemonade out of lemons, right? That's what the world says to do. When the world gives you lemons, make lemonade. That's a that's a thing. So he can't enter the temple on his own. He may not even be allowed to enter the temple. And so he's probably never been inside the temple. He's never been in God's presence. He's never been in there to enjoy the fellowship of God's people, to enjoy just the blessing of being in God's presence. He's never been there, never been there, laying from birth. So his circumstances, his life circumstances, determined his spiritual circumstances. Because he, couldn't, because he was physically lame, he was spiritually unable to go into the temple also and receive the blessing of being in God's presence. So here's the principle. Your circumstances will affect your spiritual condition. Your circumstances will affect your spiritual condition. That's just the way it goes. You know, they will. And until Jesus shows up on the spot and changes that, but your circumstances are going to affect your spiritual condition. So, so this is my question for you. When was the last time that you entered into God's presence? When was the last time that you like really were just able to worship the Lord and enjoy his presence and to know that you're loved and to respond to him in love? That's symbolized by this man going in the temple. Your, your circumstances will affect your spiritual condition, right? Your physical, emotional circumstances probably have hindered you from entering into God's presence, just like with this man, right? So he thought life would never change for him. He, he probably maybe had hope for a little while. Maybe he heard about Jesus being around, but Jesus never made it to him. And so any hope he had, he gave it up. And so here he is being brought to the temple again at this beautiful place where other people go to worship God. And he hopes to get breadcrumbs from them, right? Okay, so in verse 3, <clears throat> who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked for alms, just like he always does. And fixing his eyes on, on him, with John, Peter said, look at us. So he gave them his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God. Then they knew that it was he who, was, who sat begging alms at the beautiful gate of the temple. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. So here he is. Peter says, look at me. And, and the man looks at him. And Peter says, look, I don't have silver and gold to give you. But I'll give you what I do have. So the principle with that is what you think you need probably isn't what you actually need. Amen. So when we're going through difficult problems or difficult situations, we, we think, God, if you could just, you know, let me win the lottery, then I'll be out of this financial mess. Or if you would just fix this one thing, then everything would, or if you would just, you know, do this one or give me the, or whatever. But that's, that's, what, that's what we think. But what we think we need isn't always what we actually need. It probably rarely is. So Peter, so this, this man's asking for, you know, just copper coins. And Peter says, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do have I'll give you in the name of Jesus. 
rise up and walk. And then he does exactly what Isaiah 35 says, strengthen the, the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. He picks him up and he, and, he, and he gets him up. He says, in the name of Jesus Christ, and Nazareth, stand up and walk. And he gets him up and the man stands up. He jumps and he walks. And what does he do? This is just so neat. Verse 8, so he leaping up stood and walked and entered the temple with them, walking, leaping, and praising God. This is just Isaiah 35 come, come to pass, every part of it, right? So he entered the temple probably the first time in his life that he's ever gone into God's presence. But you know what the interesting thing is? is he's not going into God's presence now. He's bringing God's presence with him now. He's part of the entourage of people who are already praising God before they get there. So he leaping stood and walked and entered the temple with them. All of a sudden he's in community. He's enjoying that fellowship that he's never had before. God, you know, fellowship with God, fellowship with God's people, walking, leaping, and praising God, right? Just like it says, the tongue of the dumb shall sing. He's got it all going on right now. When life gives you lemons, yeah, make lemonade as best you can, but you know what? The real, the big thing is when life gives you lemonade, run to Jesus. Whatever it takes to get to Jesus, that's where your, that's where your health is at. That's where your hope is at. That's where your fear goes away. That's where you're, you're saved from your, from your fears or through your fears, one or the other. He is what you need. He will deliver you from it or through it. And then back to Isaiah. We're just going to finish up with Isaiah 35. So then the eyes of the blind shall be opened and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer and the tongue of the dumb shall sing. For waters will burst forth in the wilderness. And this is all about the spiritual condition of the person's heart. Waters, so, so a person who's been dry their whole life, they've never had a spiritual revival. Waters are going to burst forth in the wilderness of their heart, of their spirit, right? And streams in the desert and the parched ground shall become a pool and the thirsty land will become springs of water. And in, and in the habitation of jackals, it says, where you had those problems and those issues that wouldn't go away before, there shall be grass with reeds and rushes. All those problems are going to be pushed away because you're going to have spiritual life going on inside of you. This is what God does for his people. And then, and then we're going to finish up here, verse 8. And a highway shall be there and a road, and it shall be called the highway of holiness. And so the neat thing about this is the highway will be there and a road, what this, or a way, what this is, is the way of life. This is like, this is God giving the way of how to live, how to live life. His way, and the neat thing about this is, once you, once you know, once you have that spiritual revival that happens inside of you, then He puts you on that highway of holiness, right? And this, and this is, this is what happens on the highway of holiness. The unclean shall not travel on it. You got to be cleaned up to get on that highway. You can't get on it on your own. And so, it's a highway full of, you know, fellowship with other people in the presence of the Lord, and away from, you know, away from the persecution, the problems of of all, all that entourage, and he protects you, you know, spiritually and emotionally. He protects you from all of those things, right? Because the unclean shall not pass over it. It should be for those others. Whoever walks the road, although a fool shall not go astray. You may not know how to walk the road, but you know what? As long as you can hold on to Jesus' hand, he'll make sure that you don't fall, that you don't trip, and that you stay on the road. You won't go astray. All you got to do is hold on to his hand, even if you don't have wisdom. That's okay. No lion shall be there, nor shall any ravenous beast go up on it. When you're on the highway of holiness, you don't have to worry about who else is there with you because they're not going to attack you. People on the highway of holiness have love and kindness for each other. They reach out in love and they don't attack. There's no ravenous beast up there. There's no lion up there. But the redeemed shall walk therein. And the ransomed of the Lord shall return and come to Zion with singing, with everlasting joy on their heads. 
they shall obtain joy and gladness, and sorrow and sighing shall flee away. This is how we walk here, with joy and gladness. Paul's most joyful letter was the one he wrote while he was in prison, because circumstances don't have to affect your, your, your spiritual condition. You can overcome those as long as you hold on to Jesus. Come to Jesus and stay near to him. Hold on to his hand. And then he'll help you have joy in the midst of the biggest problems. He'll, ha- he'll help you have gladness, sorrow, and sighing. That'll all just flee away, and you'll have joy everlasting. The neat thing about that is it's joy for today, yeah, but it's also joy that continues on for everlasting, right? And you get to, and you get to sing with that today, with that kind of joy, with that kind of life, with that kind of spiritual thing going on inside of you. So if you've been gripped with fear, if you've had fear of the future, fear of problems, fear of conditions, fear of stuff going on in your life, this is God's word for you. Be strong. Do not fear. Behold, your God will come. He will come with vengeance and with the recompense of God. He will come and save you. And if you receive that, then he's going to, then the eyes of the blind are going to be opened, the ears of the deaf are going to be unstopped, the lame will leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb will sing. God has good things planned for you. He's got good things ahead for you. So we're going to go ahead and pray. And if you want a touch from the Lord, then feel free to just raise your hand or come on down here. Randy will pray for you. And we'll see waters break out in the wilderness. We'll see streams burst out in the desert. Heavenly Father, we just come to you. We give you glory and praise and thanks. We thank you for your kindness, for your goodness. We thank you that you love us even when we're in our mess and that you come to us to rescue us and to save us and that you love us through it all. And that that's the thing that turns our emotions around is to realize that we're loved by you and that you value those you love and you protect those you love and you provide for those you love and that we don't have to fear anymore when, when, when we have you that loves us and we know you're taking care of us. So Heavenly Father, help us to just hold on to you. Help us to run to you when life gives us lemons to stop making lemonade, but, but that we would just run to Jesus. Yes, Lord. He's the one with life. He's the one with what we need, not what we think we need, but he's the one with the real deal behind all of our problems, to fix all of our problems, either from them or through them. And so that we could also jump for joy and leap and enter into the temple of God, into your presence, joyfully with your people singing and giving you praise and glory. We thank you for not forgetting about us. We thank you for having a plan. We just ask that you would do this in our lives. We honor you. We praise you. We thank you for this day. And we give you glory, Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen.